I'm so, so excited that we can be in the house of God together. It is beautiful to worship together, to fellowship together. And I was thinking about, if you guys remember three years ago during COVID, we didn't have this, did we? We were at home. A lot of us felt incredibly isolated. Um, there were thoughts of, gosh, when are we going to get back together? When are we going to be able to worship together? And so just kind of going along with that theme of this, these are holy moments that we're living in. This is a sacred time to be alive on planet Earth. And I'm well aware of all kinds of political things happening, wars happening, there's strife, there's discord, there's, there's evil in the world, right? But if we as the children of righteousness don't pray and don't lift these concerns up to God, he said, my righteousness will inherit the earth. And so when we inherit the earth and we realize, hey, my mandate, my reason for existence is actually to bring light wherever I'm at, then I can tell you our whole mindset, our whole world begins to change, right? And I'm not going to share my personal story today, that's for another time, but I will say I remember what it was like, and my sister has been on this journey with me ever since I was a baby, knowing that, hey, I've not always lived with the light of Christ. And I can tell you that it was very dark nights, very dark days, even though the sun was shining, it was not shining in my life, um, very um, dead moments, I guess I could say. And living with the urgency that I live with now, I'm like, my God, the fact that you saved me, the fact that you had your hand on me, the fact that you met me in my room when I was 16 years old and I had just made a terrible mistake and you came in my room and I knew that there was a God who loved me. When I was 18 and I was at a church service similar to this and all of a sudden I just felt this liquid love of God run over me. And I was crying uncontrollably. I can't even tell you the last time I had cried. And I realized, my God, you are real. And so these real moments, these real encounters that we get to have with him, it's not just stories from the Bible, but it's real life today. Is anybody filled with the spirit of God in this place? Anybody thankful for the wind of God? You know, that's what pastor's been talking about just the favor of God and, um, you know, the wind and the breath of the Spirit. So before we get into today's message, can we just lift our hands real quick? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place. I just honor your sweet presence. I honor your faithfulness. Those that are here in this room, those that are online, we represent so many different stories, so many different walks of life, histories, futures, but one thing is sure is that, Father, you know it all, that even today, right before we go into December, that this moment, this day is actually marked prophetically on your timeline, that you have a beautiful, unique deposit to give each one of us today, a download from heaven. So we just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you do what only you can do in this room. I thank you that I am just a mouthpiece of you and I don't even begin to think that I have it all figured out, that's far from it. But God, that you would use these moments, that you would use this space to change destinies, God. 
that if we were walking in one direction and it, it was causing us pain or it was causing us hurt, that all of a sudden we would just have this urgency on the inside of us to just turn and move. And God, that we would not forget that it was your hand that did it for us, that we would not forget to come back and give you the praise and give you the glory. So we love you in this place and we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, you guys, we had an incredible conference. It kind of feels like forever ago, but it was actually not that long ago. It was at the beginning of this month. Um, who was at the Two Streams Conference? Woo! We are riding the momentum. And really, I feel like it's God's speed from what happened during those moments of the, the, um, the conference. And the, the theme of the conference was uncommon for kingdom exploits, an uncommon anointing for kingdom exploits. And all in this room, all across, there at home, we have unique exploits that are unique to who we are, right, as, as humans. The exploits that Natasha will do, that Maya will do, that Travis, my sister Paul, I could go throughout this entire room. Your exploits are unique to you. Your sphere of influence, your sphere of responsibility, it's unique to your life. And so I love that Pastor had titled the conference Uncommon Anointing because like I said when I opened up, sometimes we can feel common and that which is actually supernatural. Sometimes we can forget that, my God, what you have done, what you are doing in my midst, there's nothing common about it. It's entirely uncommon. And if we'll open ourselves up to allowing God to move through us in uncommon ways, we'll see uncommon breakthroughs, won't we? And all across this room, there was healings that took place. There were financial breakthroughs. I'm thinking of yours, Michael Avery. You got calls before you even left the property. There were already cars that happened. And, and am I saying, oh, it's just about material possessions? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, we are expanded for the sake of the gospel. That when we use our resources, our time, our finances, our talents, our abilities, our influence, our responsibility, our, our relationships, when we allow God to use those containers, if you will, of his grace, that he begins to expand us beyond our territory. And so we're going to go to the life of Jabez today. But before we get there, I wanted to read... Um, a couple of things from Dr. Coy Barker. So pastor has been in the series of the year of the open door, the year of the open door. And some of you may be saying, well, that's kind of strange because we're in, we're at the end of 2023 and we're going into 2024. What do you mean the year of the open door? Well, if we put a limit on what God can do with just one month, um, then that's the box that we're putting him in. But if we say, God, you are the open door, you can expand anything in my life if I just give you the access to do it. And so what he can do in December, if we will attach our faith to it, could literally take all of the months of 20, 2023 and just consolidate it into one breakthrough month. If we will attach our faith to it. Is anybody here ready for that? To say, hey, I'm going to attach my faith for God to do something entirely brand new just in the month of December. And what's beautiful is that um, Coy Barker said, hey, there are going to be things that happen within 90 days of the conference that will literally be beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. 
And we are beginning to see that, you know, Erica Littlejohn, are you here, Erica? Are you in this place? Woohoo! Yes! She submitted a testimony, and um, we'll save that for when pastor's here. But, girl, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. We're still, if you have testimonies, listen, and, and you may not have even been here for the Two Streams Conference. We just say, hey, please get with Rhonda, myself, Travis, somebody on the team, you can email them to stories at bhcfamily.com because what God is doing in somebody else's life is the breakthrough for another person's faith to enter into. And so when, so like, let's take Michael Avery for instance. He received financial breakthrough. So when we see things like that popping off, financial breakthrough, we see healings happening. We see, you know, um, um, wounds being healed. When we see these different things, we know that God is in the works of doing those things. And so if we need those in our life, what do we do? We step into it. We receive it for ourselves. And so let me go back to these notes here. So um, Coy Barker, okay, so he talked about, um, so we're in the year of the open door. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says, for a great door and an effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries on the other side of my open door. That doesn't sound too fun, does it? No. But when we realize that we are on the side of victory, that we are on the side of breakthrough, that we're fighting from victory, not begging for victory, our mindset of adversaries begin to change because we realize, hey, this territory that's actually mine, I'm called to inhabit, I'm called to take authority in, and the enemy doesn't even stand a chance. Why? Because if you're born again and you're a child of God, you have the DNA of Christ living on the inside of you. And being his righteousness, we, have rightful, we are a rightful heir alongside of Christ, aren't we? Okay, so um, when we break that down, effectual means prosperous. So God is opening a mega door to do things beyond explanation. So when we say prosperous, we're talking about prospering in every single area of life. Our mind, our body, our family, our marriage, our children, our relationships, every single area of life beginning to prosper and beginning to take on a new shape, a new form. He said this year, according to the Hebrew calendar is um, in the number, represents his year of the open door. So talking about God's prophetic timeline, God knew in 2023 that all across this earth, we would see pockets and waves of glory taking place, didn't he? That everything that's happening in the earth does not take our God by surprise. He's not on the throne saying, oh my God, what's, you know, what's, what's happening, what's happening? No, he's saying, okay, I've raised up certain people all across the world to pray into my move, to pray into my wave. And churches like ours, churches all across the world are saying, okay, God, I'm going to step into your river of glory. I'm going to step into your movement. And aren't you so thankful to be in a house that waits on the voice of God, that hears the voice of God? Our pastors put the time in to seek his face, that they're not just saying, oh, let me, let me think about what 2023 might mean. No, they're saying, okay, God, what are you saying about our church, about our people? Um, Ephesians 3.20 says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. 
your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And then he goes on to say, a door is opening like never before. God is about to surprise you and shock you in ways you've never dreamed were possible. He said, the unthinkable is about to happen. Revelations 3.8 says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. So when we're thinking about the adversaries that might be on the other side of what our faith brings into existence, right here is our answer. No man can shut, no enemy can prevent what God has decreed in your life to take place. But we're the ones that stand, right? We stand in faith. We have the word of God as our tool, as our weapon. We have the spirit of God that saturates every aspect of our life. But, but the condition is, do we allow him to? Do we give him the space to do it? Um, so when we're thinking about the, this last little bit here, so he says, um, the word expansion is going to happen to this church and to this people, Barker said. This is personal and corporate for us here at Bethel. So what's beautiful about being planted in a church is that when a corporate word is said, hey, this, and we saw that all throughout the conference. There, were prophet, there was prophecy that happened over the church, over our pastors. And so when we're planted and we say, this is my house, we are entitled to that prophetic word that has been released. But we have to receive that. And we have, to, we, have to, we have to walk it out in our own life. Isaiah 54, 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. So as we're going into 2024 and as we're closing out 2023, can I just encourage all of us. It is not time for us to get lazy. It is not time for us to just kick our feet up, put that recliner up, get your favorite beverage in hand, and say, I'm just going to take it easy. That's not the month to do it, baby. Going into 24 is not the month to just say, I'm just going to coast by. I'm just going to see what happens. No, we don't just see what happens in our life. We plan our life according to the word and the will of God. And so if any of us in here today are wondering, hey, what is the will of God for my life? Get out his word. Allow his word to speak to you. His word is prophetic. And when, we, when our eyes touch the pages of it, or our ears hear it, all of a sudden the wind of God begins to make that word alive inside our lives. And so I said, can I encourage us to think big? Can we think big? Can we say and, and some of you may not, may not be able to say that today, and that's okay. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation. You may, you may feel today, I am so incredibly tired. I don't want to even think about thinking. And can I tell you today that I understand that I've been there, but my prayer and my hope is that today, by the Spirit of God, when you walk out of this place, all of a sudden, you're thinking, hey, I want to begin to think again. I want to begin to feel again. I want to be able to, to, to feel the presence of God again. I want to be able to read the Bible and actually enjoy reading the Bible. So the only limitation to our life is what we think about. And what we think about materializes our reality. And that's harsh, 
That's harsh to think about. That when I'm feeling just down, when I'm feeling like nothing is going my way, when I'm feeling like, man, my bank account doesn't look the way I want it to look, my health doesn't look the way, the way I want it to look, when I'm at my job, I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I don't even want to be there. Can I just say, when we allow God into our thoughts, things in our life begin to change. We begin to see things just a little differently. I don't know how it happens. Other than the Spirit of God, he does surgery on us if we let him do it. All throughout our day, there's these little chiseling processes that happen. And he's chiseling this away, and he's tweaking our mindset on this, and he's causing us to look at this person just in a little different light so we're not so angry and upset at them. And all of a sudden, we begin to, to find grace for what just was so incredibly unlovely. So where we're picking up today, and I'm so excited about it, is through the life of Jabez, we see an enlarged territory. Has anybody heard of Jabez? Woo, okay, so we got some. So, hey, just so you all know, I, when Travis and I are down with the kids and redefined, we have this dialogue that happens. When, when one of us is speaking, there's literally questions that pop up. There's, you know, Sarah can, I mean, Sarah and Deb's like, you guys know. Like, so, so when I say, hey, like, interact with me this way or this or that, like, please don't feel uncomfortable because I don't feel uncomfortable. So let's just go for it and let's have fun today, okay? So here we go. First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. It's incredible because in the midst of 1 Chronicles, has anybody read 1 Chronicles? If you think it's a boring book of the Bible, it's totally okay. There's a lot of genealogy in 1 Chronicles, a lot of so-and-so begot, so-and-so, and so-and-so begot, so-and-so, and they're a part of this family, they're a part of that family. Whew, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. But it has meaning. The Bible has meaning. And what's beautiful is that this man, Jabez, receives an honorable mention. In the middle of all of this genealogy, we see in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. If we can go to verse 10 too, awesome. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So we're going to break down these few verses, literally two verses sandwiched in between all of this genealogy. Our God thought it was incredibly important to mention and highlight the man Jabez. Aren't you so glad that you have a God that does not overlook your life? that he does not overlook where you're at at this moment and your situations and your circumstances with what you're facing, with your unique responsibility, he has his eyes on you. The word says that he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. It says that he is omnipresent, that he is always with us, and that he is omnipotent, that he's all-powerful. So this beautiful God calls this man Jabez right out of the pages of scripture and elevates his life above his brothers, above all of the other names mentioned in First Chronicles. So what do we know about the name 
Jabez and about who he is as a man. He had a difficult start to life. His mother named him Jabez. She said, I gave birth to him in pain. I gave birth to him in pain. She bore him in sorrow, another translation says. A commentary mentions that his name Jabez literally means he makes sorrow. So I'm not quite sure what the meaning of your name here in this room means. But it would not be fun to go through life with a name that means pain, grief, sorrow, disappointment. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know if his brothers were like, hey, here comes pain. Here comes sorrow. Here comes a bad day wrapped in the man of Jabez. That would really, really stink. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I'd be going down to the office like, hey, can I get a name change? But Jabez doesn't do that. So it goes on to say in 1 Chronicles 2, 5, before he's mentioned that perhaps the city Jabez near Bethlehem in the valley of Elah was named after him. So what's unique about this mention is that in the middle of the genealogy, you see a person, you see a place, and you see a prayer. A person, place, and prayer all within the matter of two verses. And so in Jewish culture, names were prophetic and they were powerful. A lot of you all here in this room have named your children really powerful names, really prophetic names. You've sought the face of God and said, okay, what, what Holy Spirit can I partner with you in as far as the destiny of my child? When I see them, I want to think about this. When I call their name, I want to think about this. A lot of you here in this room have done that. And so in the Jewish culture, the names were extremely powerful and prophetic. And they pointed towards character often. The character of a person. So in fact, Jabez could be asking God to protect him from himself in these verses. Protect me from pain. Protect me from harm. Protect me from evil. And so to make him a new man, to live a life differently than his name indicates, Jabez had to pray a prayer that I don't know if he had ever seen prayed before. But he stepped out in boldness, and he must have seen God move in the past. He must have, he maybe had the, the Pentateuch, which was the, the first five books of the Bible. I don't know. But what I do know about the man Jabez is that he was bold in the midst of a really crappy situation. And so when we find that Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers, it points us to ask, with his pain and his disappointment, why did God pause to mention Jabez? Why did God pause in the middle of scripture to mention Jabez? So as we think about, okay, God, you have not forgotten me. You have called me by name. You have known my existence from the beginning to the end and my future you hold in your hands. And this is the type of God that you are. But in the middle of Jabez's request, how can we put our life in, in the context of Scripture? How can we see our own story in an Old Testament passage? Well, let me share five different requests that Jabez had. The first one is to bless 
me indeed. He said, my God, bless me indeed. So today we must know that God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. Deuteronomy 28.8 says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that, you're, that the Lord your God is giving you. Psalm 16.11, you will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So the first thing that we see with bless me indeed is that Jabez had a revelation that God wants to bless me and that I have to receive his blessing. He wants to and he wants me to receive it. The other thing that we must know is that as he, want, that, that he wants to bless us, Hebrews 11:6. anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So he wants to bless us and he wants us to want him too. Matthew 7, 7, 8 with that also says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open to you. So when we knock, is he the type of father that's going to keep the door closed? He's the type of God that says, come on in. I don't, even, I don't even only have the door open and ready for you. I've got the feast ready for you to go. I've got the table set. I've got the Thanksgiving feast ready. He says, hey, pull up a seat. Come on, I've got it ready for you. And so when we sit down at his table and we feast, we see that there is this blessing that is indeed handcrafted and beautifully flat fashioned just for us. That it's not a leftover blessing. You know, who's, who's been eating on those Thanksgiving leftovers? It's not a leftover blessing. It's not a microwave blessing. It's not a little soggy mac and cheese blessing. No, it is ready, right on time, ready to go. Jabez said, bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. So God, give me life. In other words, that's what he was saying. Give me life. All my life I've lived with this pain. All my life I've heard of stories of when I'm about to walk into a room, when I leave a room. My mom, when I see her, I think about how she named me sorrowful. The fact that I caused her grief. Think about that. He's saying, God, I want a new life. He didn't ask for a name change. He asked for God to bless him. He didn't ask him, he didn't give him a list of change this, change that, fix that, move over here, do this. He simply said, bless me indeed. So, I love the fact that he said indeed, because in my interpretation, it leaves it open-ended, right? He didn't just like put a period, you know? He's like, bless me indeed, comma. So to me, it leaves, it leaves it to be an interpretation of God, however you wanna do it. I'm not gonna say if, if you don't do it this way, then I'm not gonna trust you. I'm not gonna say it has to be at this time, otherwise I'm gonna doubt you. I'm gonna say, God, bless me indeed, however you want to do it. 
however you want to move in my life, you have full reign. You have full access to do whatever you want to do. God bless me indeed. So we see that Jabez prayed a bold prayer. But he, this prayer had five components to it. So he, what we know about him, he was honorable, right? And he was also a man of vision. He had a vision for what he wanted God to do in his life. And so when we think about going into 2024, this is the year of the open door. Do we have vision for what God can do? Do we have something for him to work with? An avenue? Do we have something maybe written down? Habakkuk 2 talks about. Do we have, you know, an openness as far as God, use my business, use my marriage, use my children. I'm making space for you in all areas of my life. So bless me indeed. Number two, enlarge my territory. So I want to pause here and say that when we talk about enlarging my territory, let's start off with just realizing there are 390,000, 390,000 miles of coastline in the world. 390,000 miles. Those God-given limitations between land and sea are beautiful and they're necessary. So sometimes when we see limitations in our life, when we see boundaries in our life, when maybe we feel like our energy has slowed down or maybe we feel a limitation with what we're able to do or we have this weakness in our life, and we begin to question, God, did you call me for this? Did you put me here? Are you with me in this place? Can we just think about that the coastline of the entire earth has been planned and orchestrated by the God of the universe? And that where we're at in Lexington, Kentucky, or wherever you're watching online, is a unique place, strategic place for the glory of God. It is not by accident. And so limitations are healthy and, they, and they're helpful when provided by the creator. But limitations can also be soul crushing when they are placed on us by other sources. So when we think about the life of Jabez, the limitation that was placed on him from birth was not his doing, was it? He had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with what his name was going to be. He had nothing to do with what maybe his family said his character was going to be like. He was just born. And so these limitations that sometimes are placed on us by other people or sometimes that we adopt our own self, we have to realize, hey, is this a limitation that's put on by God or that I've put on my life or that man has put on my life? And nobody can remove those limitations but you and God. And so when we have spaces like this, moments like this where we can gather together and we can worship and we can let the word of God saturate us, all of a sudden we begin to see through Holy Spirit him putting his finger in his voice on specific areas and places of our life. And so Jabez realized, hey, I don't want this limitation. I don't want to be called pain. I don't want to be known as sorrowful. I don't want to bring other people grief. 
And so the second component of his prayer was enlarge my territory. He looked around his life and he realized, God, I've been living in limitation. I've been living with these limitations. And it's amazing because if I was to imagine how this prayer was sort of crafted, it might have been something like this. My life may have started in pain, but with the grace of God. My life may be in pain right now, but with the grace of God. It won't end that way. Jabez's mother put a limitation and boundary around him when she named him pain, but Jabez believed that God had the power to move the boundary lines and to enlarge his territory even past other people's perspectives of him. He had a vision of what was possible with his own life. So virtually every person in this room, at home, we have this opportunity to say, okay, God, I have these boundaries around us. Maybe some of you today walked in with so many walls that the love of God has been knocking. It's been knocking and it's been seeking and it's been seeking. And crack by crack, a little bit gets in. But for the most part, you just feel pretty numb. And so when we ask God, enlarge my territory, what, what do you think? He's going to knock those walls off. Those walls are going to come completely off and completely down. But this prayer came through the mouth of Jabez. This wasn't God prophesying over him. This isn't pastor up here prophesying into our life. This isn't Mark up here saying, take back your power. No, this is Jabez saying, enlarge my territory. Take my life and enlarge it. And so what do we know about an enlarged territory? There's responsibility. Woohoo! How fun. There's responsibility when God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to increase you. Responsibility, people. And what do we know about responsibility? It takes focus. It takes focus. John 4.35 says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months into harvest. John goes on to say through Jesus, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe and ready for harvest. Pray and God, open my eyes and let me see what's around me. What's already around me that you've given me, that you've actually increased, but I've missed you. I've missed giving you thanks. I've missed just appreciating you, the fact that you've kept me. You know, Tario is up here talking about, you know, Jamal being in the hospital, and we're going to pray for him at the end. And, um, you know, Tony and David's nephew was in a car accident, and she was like, God, thank you for keeping us. Even in those situations with Jamal and with this nephew of David and Tony, we see God's faithfulness. And all across this room, you have stories of your own where God protected you, where God kept your mind, where God kept your heart, where he kept things maybe going for longer than they should. You know, there was times in our life with Travis and I, we literally didn't have money for gas. But don't you know, our God kept our cars running. I don't know how I did it until we got some gas money back in the day. So don't tell me that he can't provide for the small things. 
because he's that type of God. So we have to have focus with our enlarged territory. Number two, faithfulness. This is a theme for Jesus. He cares about faithfulness. He cares about the motive of our heart, like what pastor's been talking about. The rudder of our heart, which direction is it turned? Is it turned towards God honoring or is it turned towards, God, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to make it happen on my own and just hope for the best. Which direction and motive of our heart is turned towards? Luke 16.10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. Matthew 25, 21 says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So when we're on the journey of life, when Jabez was praying this prayer, he may not have known what the end was going to be. But what he did know is that his faith was attached to the meaning behind the prayer that he was praying. So when we live in an enlarged territory, Jesus said, he'll do the enlarging, but he trusts us to live in that space, doesn't he? He trusts us to steward what he's given us, to manage what he's given us. The third aspect is faith. None of these things happen for Jabez until he asked God for them. Faith in the name of Jesus. At this time, Jabez didn't have risen Savior Jesus. He probably had the Old Testament Jesus, the first five books of the Bible that the scribes um, transcribed. That's probably all that he had, transcripts of prophecies. And through the Spirit of God, in a moment where his heart was turned towards the face of God, he prophesied a prayer and a destiny over his life. And so when we, when we think about enlarged territory, that means our border, our territory, or our coast. Jabez isn't just praying for more land. He's, he's not just saying, I just want more of this so I can just spoil myself, so I can just live with greed, so I can just boast about all my, you know, treasures and all my wealth and all my, uh, you know, influence and, and my status and all that. No, he's wanting the land for a specific purpose. He's saying, enlarge my territory with the works of God in mind of how he's going to use the space. And so Travis and I, we were literally just talking the other day to our brother-in-law about this building and when pastor had, when God first gave the vision of this space to pastor, the building was supposed to be at the edge of the parking lot, not where it is now. And so Holy Spirit woke pastor up and said, move the building back. And the development had already started. The ground was, had already started to break. There was already construction plans underway. And pastor was like, are you sure about that? Like, I'm going to be making some people mad. Are you sure about that? And Holy Spirit's like, yes, I am sure. Move it back. And now look at the beautiful development. Now look at the long-term plan, the long-term vision of what has been able to happen. And so when we think about our territory, our territory is our unique sphere of influence. So it's unique to us. And so when we have people all across this room 
in the marketplace. You might be in the hospital. You might have, you know, your career might be in the school system. You might be in finance. You might be um, a mechanic. Wherever your territory is, God wants to expand it. You know, Keegan, I think about you with the fire department. You're all around Lexington. You're going all kinds of different places. And so territory is not just one geographical location. Territory is our influence as spirit-filled believers, giving us land, giving us space for the glory of God to move. And there are times, yes, where we inherit buildings, we inherit spaces, or we buy, you know, shopping malls, and we build certain things. So territory is twofold. So Jabez, he's not praying for just more land. He's asking God for more influence and more responsibility with greater opportunity. And so he's saying, hey, everything you've put under my care, take it and enlarge it. Make it way bigger than what I could ever do with it. Sometimes we take what God has given us and we just keep it in our hand. We say, this blessing is just for me. It's only mine. It's not to be shared. It's not to be talked about. It's, it's to be played small with. Just the other day, Travis and I, we were, we were like, we're not playing small anymore. We're not going to make excuses for God's blessing on our lives. There is no reason at all for anybody in this room to play small for the fact that God has called you, destined you, equipped you, put a unique calling, a, new, a unique skill set, gifting on your life. He, you know, Toye was talking about you were born a star. You were born to shine. You were born to thrive. He said, you are a city set on a hill, not a lamp to have a lampshade put over it and just hidden away in your little cubicle at the, at the office. No, you're called to inherit and to enlarge your territory. So Jabez was asking God to enlarge his life so that he could make a greater impact for God. But one thing is sure that Jabez knew he couldn't do it without God. He could not do it without his relationship with God. He lived entirely and completely interdependent on the Savior of the world. And so when we look at number three, his third request, your hand with me. So this is my personal favorite, your hand with me. The hand of God is a biblical term for God's power and presence directly working in your life. You carry a unique story of how God has moved in your life. I can't put my name on your story. I can only live in mine of what God has done through me, what he's doing in me, what I've seen him do around me, how I've seen him do the impossible how I've seen his faithfulness, how I've seen his goodness. But when we share our testimonies, like we talked about earlier, it gives somebody else the faith to believe for what was once impossible in their own mind. Right? So when we're in a, a supernatural place like this, there is nothing impossible. But we should not keep it within these four walls. We should live the impossible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every single day of the week. Our life should be in awe and a wonder. You know, my mom, she's watching online. Love you, mom. 
she texted my Aunt Opal, and um, they were having a conversation over Thanksgiving, and my mom was like, well, Meg's preaching. And my Aunt Opal was like, wow. And what's, what's funny about that and super, super sweet is that her husband, so my uncle, his name is Marvin, and he was a preacher at a small Baptist church in Dry Ridge, Kentucky, uh, which is still there, right? Very small. And literally the whole family makes up the one church. And, but my uncle was, was, the, was the preacher. And so when he, when he was still alive and my mom told him, you know, well, Meg's going to go to Bible college. And he was like, my God, what's she going to be, a preacher? And my mom was like, well, I don't know, Uncle Marvin, she might be. And so it was funny because when I think about who would have ever thought, I don't know, not me, <laughs> like that I would be up here knowing the stage fright, knowing the, you know, the insecurities that God's brought me through, knowing this and that about my own life. But how many times do we disqualify the blessing and the qualification of God on our lives. I don't know why we do it. But what I do know is that we have the power to change it. What I do know is that he says if we'll renew our mind, Romans 12, 2, and we'll begin to think differently, and we begin to put the word of God in our life, and we begin to pray bold prayers, and we begin to say, okay, my life once looked like this, but that's not the vision for my life anymore. That's not what I know my God has for me. And so Jabez says, your hand has to be with me. So the hand of God is God's power and his presence directly at work in our life. He's asking for God's power to work in his life. Numbers eleven twenty three, And we know this. This is when Moses leads the Israelites through the desert, which should have just taken a lot less time than what it took, but it took 40 years. Moses is leading them through, but Moses said something similar to what Jabez said, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it unless your hand is with me, unless your presence goes before me. God honored that request, gave him fire by day or cloud by day, fire by night, right? Numbers 11:23. the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short, Moses? He had a speech impediment. Is my arm too short to speak through you, to use your voice to free my people? Is my arm too short? Are you telling me what I can and cannot do through you? And then God said, now that you will see whether or not what I will say will come true for you. So God's like, you're testing me. I'm going to test you because I'm going to do through your life what looks impossible. Joshua 4, 23 through 24 says, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had to cross over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before, before us until we had, oh, sorry, before we had to cross over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, so that all the territory of the earth, so that all the coast of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear your God. May we never lose the fear of God in our life. If you say that you're born again here in this room, may we never take for granted the presence, the favor, the blessing, the protection, the spirit, the healing, the joy. I could go down the line. 
May we never take his goodness for granted. Acts 11, 20 through 21 says, Some of them, however, uh, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch, where um, the first time that Christians were first called Christians, and began to speak to the Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned towards the Lord. So what we see here is a progression of a blessing, territory, and God's hand. So Jabez first said, I need your blessing. Now enlarge my territory, God, so that I can show your wonders and your faithfulness in the earth. Number three, I'm not going to do it, though, if you're not going to be with me. So Jabez is saying, I can't do this without you. I cannot break out of the limitations that my name has brought on my life without you. I can't handle the responsibility. I can't handle the enlargement of you moving through me, God-sized life, without your presence. I can't live in your blessing without your presence. I can't take another breath without remembering your faithfulness. I can't take another step without knowing you've sustained my legs. You've enabled my feet. You know, my family has a ministry, it's called Lord's Legacy, and we care for people with special needs. And my sister recently has stepped into the CEO role, which I'm super proud of her. And so at Lord's Legacy, we take care of people with special needs. And it could be developmental, it could be mental, it could be uh, physical needs. Um, but when you look in the face of someone who has seizures every day, sometimes multiple times a day, you remember God's love is still for them and God's love is for me. You remember, okay, God, you have given me the type of life that you've given me for a reason. And there were days that I would go into the office at Lord's Legacy and I would be in such an awful mood and I would talk with, you know, one of my friends, his name is Jeff and he's in a wheelchair, has cerebral palsy. And he is so incredibly full of joy and full of life. We need to get around God-fearing people in our life. We need to get around people who are going to push us into the presence of God. We need to get around faith-filled friends who, when we are in a bad place mentally, will say, hey, remember what God has done for you. He would not have brought you this far to leave you now. You know, Joshua was up here worshiping with Asher and Hanya was over here. And I told my sister, I was like, that is a miracle baby. That is a miracle baby. We cannot get comfortable with, super, with the supernatural. We cannot get comfortable with the uncommon. We cannot get comfortable with just this, this small place where we're in currently. If we want to be a conduit of God's blessing, we have to be able to say, okay, God, give me the type of life that literally I have to call on you every day in order to step into my, into my office or into, you know, my family or this or that because I need your hand with me. I need the evidence of your hand in my life. Okay, I'm going to hurry up, Zaya. <laughs> it's taking me a little longer than I thought. Okay, so I'm going to jump through. So just... There's a lot here. Um, okay, so number four, keep me from harm and evil. And so the fourth aspect to Jabez's prayer is that you would keep me from harm. Just so I don't miss it 
and I don't direct the rudder of my heart in the wrong direction. I need you. I don't want to get so caught up in your wind of favor. So get, get caught up in, in what you're doing, you know, spiritually that, God, I miss the physical responsibilities that you've given me to move in a spiritual way. Does that make sense? Sometimes we, when, when we realize, hey, these, these physical things that just seem so mundane, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, cooking dinner, running my kids here to there, everywhere, doing this, doing that, going to a reconnect with, with our redefined kids. When we take certain things as ordinary and as mundane, we forget that it was the hand of God that placed us in those positions. We forget that the hand of God is what actually gave us what, what we have. And so he's saying, Keep me from harm. I don't want to just so get caught up and bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me. But God, keep me from harm. Keep me from harm. So how do you know that this blessing comes from God? Proverbs 10, 22 says, The blessing of the Lord brings true riches and he adds no sorrow to it. So you know that a blessing comes from God when there is no sorrow to it. The caveat to this is the position of our heart. When we get into a place of taking people for granted, of looking at people as, as pain, as disappointment, as grief, I can tell you right now that what was once a blessing now becomes sorrowful. And we begin to mistake what was actually a blessing from God as sorrowful. So we have to keep our heart in alignment with Holy Spirit. So, so Proverbs 10.22, he adds no sorrow to it, but it comes as a blessing from God. So Jabez said, keep me from evil. The more you're blessed, the more ground you take, be prepared that you are advancing the enemy's gates. Be prepared. You know, one commentary said that when... Um, when Jabez was praying this prayer, that actually what was taking place was a battle um, in his territory. I think it was with the Canaanites. I'm not I'd have to look back at my notes here. But, and so w when we think about keep me from harm, you know, think about when COVID happened. We were all praying that, weren't we? We were all praying that over our families. We were praying that over our life. We were praying that here as a church. And, and do bad things happen to good people? Yes, they do. And some of you here in this room lost people during that time. Some of you here in this room have received diagnosis that you don't even, you don't know what to do with it. Some of you here in this room might not know where your next meal is coming from. But what we do know is a God that desires to keep us from harm. That he will protect us and his good of his story will come through any situation, if we give him the room to do it, if we give him that place of pain, he will say, I turn your sorrow into moments of dancing. I will turn your tears into moments of joy. I will turn your pain into moments of just great celebration. If you will give me the space to do it. So the fifth thing here, and I'm wrapping up, is keep me from pain, sorrow, and grief. So like I said at the beginning, this could literally translate, keep me from myself. 
Keep me, God, from getting in the way of what you want to do. I have a finite mind that has access to an infinite possibility of your spirit, of your kingdom, of your word, because you're alive on the inside of me, but sometimes the finiteness of my mind, of my history, of my own personal small experience keeps me boxed in and keeps me feeling like I'm locked tight with walls all around me. But Jabez is saying, keep me, keep me from pain. In the ERV translation, it says, be near to me and don't let me hurt anyone. Then I will not have any pain. So what's beautiful about the life of Jabez is that we see that Jabez allowed his pain to turn him to God. Jabez allowed his story, his current story and situation to turn him to God. I don't know how old Jabez was when he prayed this prayer. I don't know if there was something that happened to, to get him to the place of finally praying this prayer. I don't know. All we know is that he prayed it and that God answered his request. In pain, we all have different ways that we cope with life, don't we? Some of those ways serve us. Some of those ways don't serve us. Let's just be honest here in this room today. Can we be honest? Sometimes some of you turn to excessive shopping. I've done it before where you just shop because it feels good. You, you get the fix of just having something new. We talked about that not too long ago, didn't we? I was like, thank God that he healed me of that and delivered me from that. Some of you turn to eating just a little too much. Maybe some of you turn to not eating at all because you've had a stressful day. Some of you turn to maybe drinking. And it's not just a casual drink. It's a little too much. Some of you turn to isolating yourself and pushing everybody out. I don't know where you turn to when you feel grief, sorrow, and pain. But what I'm asking today is can we get honest with Holy Spirit and say, hey, if where I'm at is in a place where I've boxed you in, I've boxed my own life in, and I'm not seeing the fruit that I know you've called my life to, then please change it. Please don't let me stay in this condition. Please don't let me stay where I'm currently at. Jabez reached to the only source that he knew would bring him peace in the midst of his grief. He knew that the only way to break out of the pain pattern was God. But what does pride say in our life? Eh, you don't need to pray that. You don't need to call that friend. You don't need to give that up. Just one more time, it's not going to hurt anybody. Nobody's going to know. Pride tells us these different things and places these limitations on us. And then all of a sudden we're living in this place of shame, of guilt, of condemnation, of heaviness, of pressure, of anxiety. And we're like, where did it come from? Well, we make the decisions. But today it's as simple and as powerful as saying, God, right now, I'm going to allow you to restore my territory. I'm going to allow you to restore what was once placed on me as pain, as grief, as sorrow, or what I've welcomed in. I'm giving you access. 
to bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be on my life. Keep me from evil. Keep me from pain. Your enemies scatter at the mention of Jesus' name. The enemies of our life are there. I'm not going to get into all that. There are are certain things that are unique to our story that are enemies to our life. So what could be my personal enemy may not be Michael's. Does that make sense? And so we have to be aware of where does the enemy desire to snare me? Is it for me to be afraid of the devil? Is it for me to say, no, I'm not going to pray for that person because then it's going to come on me? No, it's for us to live in our rightful position as a born-again believer, through the authority of God, his resurrection power on the inside of us, the very DNA of Christ himself, the anointed one with his anointing, saying, I will do through you and for you what you can never do for yourself, the anointing in us for our sake, right, renewing us, making us brand new, continuously, but on us for the sake of those around us. So that when we're going throughout our life, when we're going throughout our day, other people get to draft off of your intimacy with Jesus. Think about that. When we spend time in God's presence, what do I carry with me? Joy, love, peace, kindness, gentleness. We carry these different fruits of the Spirit with us, not just for our sake to enjoy them and eat them all day long and say, woo, it's been a great day. Hashtag blessed. We actually carry them for a purpose to say, hey, are you feeling that way? Come on over. Let me walk with you. Take some of my fruit. Take some of my life because I pay the price for it. We pay the price for our intimacy with Jesus in the sense of more of you, less of me. I wanted that in the past. Now, God, I don't want that. Holiness and sanctification, these big Christian words, consecration, all of those beautiful things literally just means a set-apart life. That's what Jabez was saying. Set my, my life apart. Make something out of my mess. Make it lovely. Make it beautiful. The smallness of my life, expand it and protect me while you do it. Keep my heart pure. You can go ahead and play a little bit. So lastly here, You're like, that was the second time you said lastly. Jabez's name wasn't changed. He still had the name Jabez. What we know about our God is that he has the power to change our name, doesn't he? All throughout the Bible, we saw name changes. We see Jacob, which meant deceiver, cheater. His name was changed to Israel. We see Mara, which means bitter, but she went back to Naomi, which means sweet. She attached herself to someone else's life, saying, okay, my life has been nothing but bitterness, but I'm gonna gonna position myself next to you, and I'm gonna watch how you live your life. Simon, which means reed, he had a name change to Peter, which means rock, which is literally where Jesus is like, hey, your name is now Peter. I'm gonna build my church upon your life. Peter denied Christ three times. Peter was radical in his faith, radical. He had mistakes, just like all of us. 
God said, I'm going to name you Rock. Saul, he was changed to Paul, wrote more than two-thirds of the New Testament, but never walked with Christ. Abraham was changed to Abraham. So God could have changed Jabez's name. He could have said, I no longer call you pain, but I call you, I don't know, fill in the blank. I call you giver of life. I call you joyful. I call you, you know, man of God. Fill in the blank of what he could have renamed him as. But Jabez didn't get a new name. His perspective was changed in his current situation. He didn't get a new name, guys. He was still the same man with the the same name, with the same past, the same history, the same friends probably, but he operated differently. We've heard stories of how God has moved. Jabez had those, those scripts from the scribes that even said in the town of Jabez where um, um, commentators say that the, name, that the town was literally named after him because of his influence to, to provide for scribes of scripture. They would come and they would stay with Jabez and they would, they would write out scripture and so it said that the name was that the town was literally named after him in an honorable way. So I just want us to to realize here in this place that you have not missed your opportunity. That you have not missed your moment with God, that you've not missed your open door. You've not missed, he's not, he's not the type of father that's going to say, I had it there for you and you just missed it. Stinks to be you. So sorry for your luck. Try better next time. That's not the type of God that we have. So can we just close our eyes real quick in this place? If you're here today and you're, you're just saying in your heart, Meg, like, this message just really resonates with me. I can, I can really picture myself having lived with these limitations that Jabez has lived with, these types of mindsets that he's had, these types of things spoken over him. And, and you might be in here saying, I don't want that. I don't want that type of life. I want to live a life where I depend on my God every single day. This interdependence, which is a working relationship, a working partnership with him doing the supernatural and us doing the natural. God, that you would take my story and that you would rewrite it. I'm not asking you to take away my past. I'm just asking you to give me a new perspective of it. Give me a new voice towards it, God. So before we stand up, in just a minute, we're gonna pray this prayer from 1 Chronicles with your eyes closed. 
still, nobody looking around, I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you met his forgiveness? Have you encountered his redemption? Have you met him as father? Have you met him as comforter? Have you met him as healer? Have you met him as the savior of your soul today? On the count of three, if you haven't, or maybe you're like, hey, I'm far from him. I've made mistakes. I've, I've had some regrets. And I just, I just want to get my heart right with him. I just, I want to stop living in the cycle that I've been living in. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. There at home, you can type Jesus in the comments. One of our team members will reach out to you. So on the count of three, if that's you, and you feel Holy Spirit just drawing of your heart today, this is not a moment for you to be embarrassed by. This is not a moment for you to be ashamed of. Accepting Jesus, being born again, gives us access to everything that I've been talking about, but most importantly, access to his presence, access to the life of scripture. So on the count of three, if you'll raise your hand, one, two, three. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are God of second chances, that you are faithful, that you are a redeemer, that you are kind. So if everybody could just pray, let's stand up real quick. Let's clap. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for being the Savior of my life. I invite you in, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do in my life. I'm no longer turned in the wrong direction, but I've turned in the right direction today. And I thank you that you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my Redeemer, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Woo! Okay, so one last thing. If we could put First Chronicles up on the screen. We're going to just pray this all together here. First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Here we go. So we'll start off. One, two, three. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested.